Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 10, 1 through 20, called Lessons and Locusts. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, verse 3, and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews. How long? There's almost an implication of astonishment from Moses. Moses has to be watching Pharaoh and thinking, how long is this guy going to do this? How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Notice, the issue with Pharaoh is pride. Let my people go that they may serve me. It's either humility or humiliation, Pharaoh. How long are you going to continue to resist and fight? If you refuse to let my people go, behold, we're moving from lessons now to locusts. Tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory, and they shall cover the surface of the land. They're going to blanket everything, so that no one shall be able to see the land. They shall also eat the rest of what has escaped, what is left to you from the hail. We would assume, of course, the hail is melted away now. And they shall eat every tree which sprouts for you out of the field. This is going to be a locust layover. They're going to be covering everything. They're going to finish off what the hail didn't destroy. And it's even worse. Your houses shall be filled and the houses of all your servants and the houses of all the Egyptians, something which neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen from the day they came upon the earth until this day. And Moses turned his back, literally, and went out from Pharaoh. Here's the record. Moses laid out the reality of the eighth plague to Pharaoh. There's no recorded response. But, of course, Pharaoh continues to harden his heart. Moses shares the details. He turns around and walks out. It connotes leaving in opposition with no happy resolution. It's like Moses already knows that Pharaoh's not going to cooperate. So he tells him of the next plague and he turns his back and walks away. And to me, I find this somewhat symbolic of God's interaction with Pharaoh. Because remember that Moses, this is, I think, chapter 7, verse 1, would be as God to Pharaoh. And Jesus, when he sent out the 12 and then the 70, He said, basically, those who receive you receive me. Those who reject you and your word reject me and my word. You are my representatives. You are my ambassadors as though God were pleading through you. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, for people to be reconciled to God. And when Moses turned, when he gave Pharaoh the details of the next plague and turned his back and left, He becomes a picture of what God has done with Pharaoh. God turns his back, if you will, symbolically through Moses and walks away. What a sad, sad situation. To imagine that the one who made me and created everything would turn from me. But there's there's scriptural support for this because God talks about how He turns his face away. And there's some imagery here. And you might say, well, what would would cause God to maybe turn back to us? It's very simple. 
It's one word. Repentance. Which is always mingled with humility because one won't repent unless they humble themselves. Amen? True repentance is going to be mingled with humility. That will always turn God's face back to you. Think about it on a human level. When somebody's pride and puffed, proud and puffed up and, and they won't hear anything, what do you typically, at some point, you just say, okay, if you won't listen, then I guess we ain't talking anymore. But when someone humbles himself and says, you know what, I'm sorry, let's, let's make this right. It's a very simple resolution. So this is the only time in the accounts of Moses' encounters with Pharaoh that he is described as turning and leaving Pharaoh. And I believe it becomes a picture. And so the locusts are coming. In her memoirs of her life as a young pioneer, Laura Ingalls Wilder recalls the day that a strange dark cloud descended on the Minnesota prairie. Plunk, something hit Laura's head and fell to the ground. She looked down and saw the largest grasshopper she had ever seen, and essentially locusts are grasshoppers. The huge brown grasshoppers were hitting the ground around her, hitting her head and her face and her arms. They came thudding down like hail. The cloud with hailing grasshoppers, the cloud was grasshoppers. Their bodies hid the sun and made darkness. Their thin, large wings gleamed and glittered. The rasping whirring of their wings filled the whole air, and they hit the ground in the house with the noise of a hailstorm. Laura tried to beat them off. Their their claws clung to her skin and her dress. They looked at her with bulging eyes, turning their heads this way and that. Mary ran, screaming into the house. Grasshoppers covered the ground. There was not one bare bit to step on. Laura had to step on grasshoppers, and they smashed, squirming and slimy under her feet. Grasshoppers beat down from the sky and swarmed thick over the ground. Their long wings were folded and their strong legs took them hopping everywhere. The air whirred and the roof went on, sounding like a roof in a hailstorm. Then Laura heard another sound, one big sound made of tiny nips and snips and gnawings. The grasshoppers were eating. You could hear the millions of jaws biting and chewing. Day after day, grasshoppers kept on eating. They ate all the wheat. They ate all the oats. They ate every green thing, all the garden and all the prairie grass. The whole prairie was bare and brown. Millions of brown grasshoppers whirred low low over it. Not a green thing was left in sight anywhere. This is the power of the locust. It It can be a fearful thing. And Pharaoh's servants, seven, said to him, How long? Moses said, how long? They said to Pharaoh, how long will this man be a snare to us? Let the men go. Notice they say the men, that they may serve the Lord their God. Don't you realize Egypt is destroyed? The emperor has no clothes. Everything is ruined. Pharaoh being pampered, you know, fed his grapes and they would, you know, fan him and whatever. Maybe he didn't realize. Maybe he was in denial, but... Here's the deal. The nation, Pharaoh, is ruined. You appear to be the only guy that doesn't see it because he had become blind. And so a corporate meeting ensues. (laughs) Uh, Pharaoh. Now they blame Moses, but is Moses really the problem? Is Moses really the snare? Well, in one sense, yes. But who's the problem in Egypt? Pharaoh. 
and his advisors who won't let the people go. And he's blind. Pharaoh refused to acknowledge what was clear to everyone around him. He was blinded. The nation that you lead, the most powerful nation in the world at that time, is destroyed. And so Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. We'll call him flip-flop Pharaoh. (laughs) And he said to them, all right, go serve the Lord your God, verse 8. But who are the ones that are going? I need a list of people who are departing. Uh, Do you have a list? Uh, Can you print it out? Can you email me? Can you text it? We need a list. Okay, you can go. Right? The corporate meeting took place. They said, Pharaoh, Egypt's ruined. I don't know who convinced uh, the Pharaoh to call Moses and Aaron back, but however it happened, they come back. And so... Okay, okay, you can go now, but I, but I want a list of people. Some of the advisors might have been thinking, I want to go too. Can I be on the list? <laughs> Get me out of here. Locusts were everywhere, covering the ground, in the houses. They were everywhere. Whirring and chewing and biting and landing. and and Moses said, we'll go. We shall go. This is emphatic with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds, we will go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. And sarcastically, Pharaoh says these words, thus may the Lord be with you if I ever let you and your little ones go. Take heed, for evil is in your mind. This could be rendered, uh, some uh, scholars say, evil's in store for you. But he said to them, ESV, the Lord be with you. If ever I let you and your little ones go, look, you have some evil purpose in mind. NIV, the Lord be with you if I let you go along with your women and children. Clearly you are bent on evil. You're not all going. This is flip-flop Pharaoh. You're not all going. The men can go. But evil awaits you. I know what you're up to. I'm not going to fall for it. This, I tell you what, Pharaoh's a disaster. <laughs> He's having a bad hair day, and he doesn't have any hair, from what we know about Egyptian history. Pharaoh's reply, a little difficult language in verse 10, is full of scorn and anger. How could I ever give in to so extravagant and outrageous demand as this? Not so. Go now, the men among you, 11, and serve the Lord. For that is what you desire. You want to go to that mountain and worship the Lord. All right. But only the men among you. So they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. He said something like this. Get out of my office. (laughs) I'm sick of you. All right, your men can go. He can't bring himself to say everybody can go, the young, the old, the women, the children. In Egyptian worship, doing a little reading on this, apparently only the men were really involved in their worship. So maybe Pharaoh thinks, well, all you really need is the men, but that's not the Bible. The Bible's centered around family worship, and certainly men have leadership within the family. And by the way, men are supposed to lead their families toward Christ. And though they have leadership in that, still, it's a whole family affair. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hello, I'm Rob Newton, the producer of Walk in Truth. You know, since we began on this journey of reaching out with God's truth to all people, we have grown to be on seven radio stations, one in Southern California, one in Northern California in the Bay Area, Arizona, Idaho, Utah, and two in Georgia, reaching people from all walks of life and faiths. In addition, we have listeners all over the world, like in South Africa, Nepal, Australia, the United Kingdom, Pakistan, and Israel, thanks to our podcast. The country where we have the second most listeners is India. Fewer than 3% of the population are Christians there. The hope of the gospel is getting around. If you are a financial partner, thank you for recognizing the importance of Walk in Truth by giving at least $5 a month and for praying for people's lives to be changed through hearing and responding to the messages aired each week. Through our partnership together, Walk in Truth has been able to carry God's message of hope to thousands of listeners who may be feeling stress, confusion, and hopelessness, and also contributing to the joy in learning God's Word and feeling Him close. Walk in Truth's total budget for radio airtime, promotion, equipment, supplies, and staffing is over $150,000 a year. Our goal has always been to become 100% listener-supported and expand into more radio stations as God provides. Our current level of listener financial support has grown to nearly 35%, and we are praying for more listeners to become part of the Walk in Truth team. Can you become a Walk in Truth partner, or can you give a one-time tax-deductible Christmas gift today? Please help us reach 50% listener support before the year ends. Call 844-48-TRUTH to give or visit walkintruth.com. That's 844-488-7884. 844-488-7884. One more time, 844-488-7884 or visit walkintruth.com. And Merry Christmas. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. In Egyptian worship, doing a little reading on this, apparently only the men were really involved in their worship. So maybe Pharaoh thinks, well, all you really need is the men, but that's not the Bible. The Bible's centered around family worship, and certainly men have leadership within the family. And by the way, men are supposed to lead their families toward Christ. And though they have leadership in that, still, it's a whole family affair. And so everybody's got to go. Another proposed compromise. Listen to the following from a concerned voice. The men can go, but not the kids. Pharaoh told Moses that the adults could go into the wilderness and sacrifice, but they were to go without the children. Pharaoh suspected undoubtedly that if Israel would go three days' journey into the wilderness, they would keep going. He wants to stop them. And he knows that if he keeps the children, the adults will come back. Just as Pharaoh tempted and tested Moses with compromise, so the child of God today is tempted with compromise. Children all across the country are being brought up in an educational system that is absolutely contrary to the teachings of Christianity. The child of God is told that he must learn to get along in the world, make all the money he can, and get involved in the world. I've been a pastor for over 30 years, says this voice. 
And again and again, I've seen Christian parents want the best for their children. They want them to have the best education. They want them to succeed and be rich. One after another has fallen and departed from the Lord. Many members of churches have served, uh, I have served, have lost their children to the world. Wanting the best, in quotes, of the world for their children is the most subtle temptation that can come to Christian parents. What do you expect, my friends, says this writer, when you send your children to these worldly institutions and they come home thoroughly brainwashed? Why do you say, my, how could he do that when he was brought up in a Christian home? The problem is that he was not actually raised in a Christian home. The parents of many young people may be lovely Christian people, but they did not really train their children in Christian precepts and values. They were so anxious and ambitious for them to get on in the world that they lost them. Moses and Aaron would not accept Pharaoh's compromise, and this made him angry. His anger did not accomplish a thing, however, because another plague was about to begin. Do you know who said that? J. Vernon McGee in 1975. (laughs) There's nothing new under the sun, brethren. And in one sense, that kind of sobers me, that whole quote, because after I read that quote, I want to say, and all God's people said, ouch, amen? Because we want the best for our kids, but you got to know that And this is even true now with so-called Christian universities. Whether or not they're going to be founded in a Christian worldview is questionable at best even there, let alone a secular university. See, universities that were once Christian and trained pastors, Yale, Harvard, they're gone. Their, Their history that was embedded and founded in Christian principles is now either hidden or wholesale denied. And if McGee said that in 1975, that also gives me hope because that means that every time we look at a younger generation as older people, we sometimes think, oh, that's it. It's over now. (laughs) They're gone. Locusts, locusts. (laughs) Not necessarily. Because there can be a revival. There can be another great awakening. There can be a Jesus movement in our day as well. Amen? And so the locusts came up over all the land of Egypt and settled in the territory of Egypt, 14, and they were very numerous. That's an understatement. There had never been so many locusts, nor would there be so many again. Now we have some pictures of locusts that I wanted to show you. And let me... Uh, just take you through a series of a few photos so you can see. They're pretty cute, right? Close-up shot of the locust, which essentially are grasshoppers. Let's go to the next one. Uh, This gives you an idea of when they come into an area, how dense, how many of them. uh, It's very difficult to deal with. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, You can see another shot. Uh, whatever you're trying to whisk them away with is probably going to not do much. And then finally, let's go to the next one. You can see when they gather on something like a tree like this, uh, it's difficult to see the tree anymore. And they, when they're all eating and chomping, it's an eerie sound. It's also a scary reality that to try to deal with them once they've swarmed into an area, is, uh, it's tough to do. 
They covered the surface of the whole land so that the land was darkened. This anticipates the next plague, the ninth. And they ate every plant of the land and all the fruit trees that the hail left. Thus, nothing green was left on tree or plant of the field throughout all the land of of Egypt. Locusts have voracious appetites, says one writer, and can eat virtually any type of plant. No crop or vegetable or fruit stood a chance against, against this unprecedented, unduplicated plague. Egypt would have no food, a remarkable reversal of what happened during the days of Joseph. The plague was devastating. They ate everything. You've been listening to Lessons and Locusts, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 10, 1 through 20. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And hey, we're very grateful for our Walk in Truth partners. It's thanks to you and our church that this mission has grown to serve people in over seven radio markets across the U.S., and it's listened to in over 26 countries on podcast. We've always tried to reach more people with the truth in the Bible and help people see how it does still apply to everyday life. Furthermore, to demonstrate how God does love the world. During this Christmas season, are you able to help us continue this mission? As you may know, we are a listener-supported ministry, and we could use your help would you consider adding Walk in Truth to your Christmas list? We would appreciate a one-time gift of whatever you can give. But of course, you becoming a Walk in Truth partner, giving at least $5, 10 or $20 a month, would go a long way too. Hey, if this program has added anything to your day-to-day study in the Word of God, please visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com and click donate. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. There's been some speculation by those who may come from a naturalistic standpoint and say, well, the locust, a a locust invasion of this kind is not unusual, but there were so many locusts. The account says that never would this happen again in this way. They covered the entire land. And remember brother, sister, friend, that everything in creation is really at God's uh, disposal. He can use whatever he wants And in this case, he does use the locust to get the attention of the Egyptians. It is yet another plague, and a scary plague at that, and one that does show up again in the book of Revelation. What is going on here? Is there a natural explanation? No, this is a supernatural event. The scripture makes it very clear that God did this, and it was a judgment on the nation of Egypt. Well, here here we are, and many of you who listen to this program, you think about the nation that you live in, and you might think about things that have happened in the last several years and wonder, is God trying to get our attention? <laughs> and I would say yes. I think he's always trying to get our attention. The question is, are we listening? You know, the numbers of uh, for those who trust the Lord or say they are Christians in our country are dropping and dropping pretty rapidly. In fact, there are people predicting that within the next 20 years, Christianity will be a minority religion in this country that was founded on the Bible, on the gospel. How could that be? 
How could a nation like ours forget about her God, forget about her foundations? And what would be the result of that? Well, we we mentioned in a previous message that, you know, oftentimes God will simply give us over to our sins. And interestingly enough, on this occasion, Pharaoh admits that he sinned against God. He says, I've sinned. Forgive me just this one time. And that sounds good. And the locusts do go away. God redirects the wind. But then Pharaoh's heart is still hard. And it does say that God hardened his heart. Now, here's the thing. We can repent because we want to reprieve. We can repent because we want, you know, the weight off of our back. But it doesn't mean that we've truly given our lives over to God. And that's what we need to do. We need to trust in the God of Scripture, the God who sent his son on a saving mission to save us from the locusts of our own sin. This is Pastor Michael Lance. You're listening to Walk in Truth. We're walking through the book of Exodus. We happen to be going through the plagues of Egypt, and they are uh, getting more and more severe, and uh, Egypt is reeling. And the question is always, what will we do when the Lord gets our attention? My prayer for you is that if the Lord has your attention right now, you just simply trust in the Lord. Trust in his goodness. Turn your life over to Jesus Christ. He is faithful to save. Well, we're going to learn more lessons from the locust tomorrow. Join us right here on Walk in Truth. God bless you. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 10, 1 through 20, called Lessons and Locusts. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.